Today is January 19th, 2021. Yesterday was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day in the U.S. Tomorrow is the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. If I could just say one thing, it's that tribalism is on the defensive. Far as the curse is found, sin will infect every ethnicity, race, culture, and intercultural interaction to some degree and in some vile way. The racial tensions felt this year are far from new. Humanity will stop at nothing to self-destruct. Unity distorts into the Tower of Babel. Diversity distorts to genocide. Tribalism is both occurring concurrently. Tribalism is the warped, satanic shadow of community. It's a joining together of people for their own kingdom while defining an other as their common enemy. It's the declaration that my interests, my standards, my preferences manifest themselves here. And then there's a line, consciously or unconsciously, where once you become just different enough, I no longer see you as an extension of me, an extension of the fundamental image of God. And you cross through the gray area of embodying the distinct to the discomforting to the enemy. Which personally fascinates me because although I know that some of us get uncomfortable using this language, like 9.5 times out of 10, if someone is my enemy, meaning they are in that season personally attempting to cause some form of harm towards me, as an individual, for whatever their vendetta happens to be, they're close to me. They're rarely actually a dimly defined member of an outgroup. Usually they, or I, as the opposite is certainly true, have grown so accustomed to me acting as an apparent extension of them and their preferences that when I act outside of that pattern, their dominion is threatened and they experience hurt and naturally begin to treat me as a very human enemy enacting justice in whatever form is self-justifiable so that leaves me wondering what kind of ancient near eastern war king deity decides to attach his name to a nation of slaves whom he then promises will continuously defeat progressively powerful peoples to inherit a land for themselves. Not to mention promises to repeatedly give it back despite the consequences of their rebellious actions, which cause them to lose it time and time again, regardless of severe warnings. What kind of God promises salvation in the midst of a Roman pluralistic power struggle by nailing an apparently blasphemous, homeless, working-class, self-proclaimed rabbi to a cross who declared he was the one way. Not to mention, then, calling out this awful, ragtag group of criminals, traitors, impoverished, leprous, prostitutes, sinners, and hypocrites to bear his name despite their initial abandonment of him and continuous, drastic interpersonal strife. 
the God of Deuteronomy 7 and 1 Corinthians 1. If my tribalist tendencies keep me from welcoming the sheltered and the shallow, the toxically positive, the bullies, the middle-aged white man, and the entitled mother, how will we welcome the porn addict? What about the adulterer? How are we going to welcome the homosexual, the transgender? What about the polygamous? What about the rapist and the sex offender? What about the pedophile? Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not talking about justice, nor am I speaking to the detriment of wisdom. I'm saying, are we really ready to welcome the man who called for and actively pursued the brutal murder and imprisonment of our families so that he could write most of the New Testament? What about my life supports that point? I used the phrase discipline of courage a few times recently to describe the regular practice of entering into uncomfortable scenarios. Do I, do you, do we practice the discipline of hospitality? We do, believer and unbeliever, have a common enemy. The devil, the mediator of sin and death. And if you don't know where I got that from, check out the end of Hebrews 2. The difference, Christian friends, is that you've been granted the favor of freedom. You can see that blood has already been spilled. Following after the devil's counsel, Adam produced an offspring who crushed not the head of the serpent, but his own righteous brother, thus becoming the first murderer. Let's not do the same. Regardless of whether we appear to be lambs led to the slaughter, peak Romans 8, let's rest assured that the true firstborn the promised offspring, the wise counselor, the prince of peace, the everlasting father of all nations, the mediator of the creator and created, died. Righteous blood was spilled voluntarily. Now, the whole system of sin itself is self-destructing. There's blood in the water, my friends. And it's not ours.